0: Hi, we hope you were with us last week when we were interviewing Pastor Tim Delina here on the Gary Wilson Podcast. We had an amazing time talking about uh, how to present the gospel as a pastor, how you as a congregant could Uh, be involved in this great commission of bringing many people to come to know Jesus. We have Pastor Tim back with us again this week, pastor of Times Square Church in New York City and doing an amazing job, author of of an amazing book that you're going to want to get a hold of. We have some copies of it here at World Challenge as well or Amazon, and uh, that'll be in the show notes about Tim Delina. Uh, Tim, welcome. Thanks for coming back again with us this week.
1: Thanks, Gary. Hello from New York City. We're right in the heart of Manhattan. You You see Broadway and Times Square right behind me.
0: Not not bad. That's a good looking office, man. Yeah, <laughs> behind not in this studio, but behind me and my office, it's all trees and mountains. So we have a very different parish. It's
1: it's true, uh, Gary. When we were with you a couple weeks ago, I saw those mountains and I was missing the buildings. So it's just I think God God puts your heart in the right in in different places.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And That's good that we're all part of uh, God's eternal plan for touching the nations. Um, Tim, I was. When you were with us a few uh, episodes ago, you, you brought up a couple points, and we really didn't have time to get into them then because some of the stuff you were sharing we really needed to get get out there to to those listening. Um, but one of the things you were talking about was some of the things you felt like the Lord put on your heart uh, for the condition of the church, the, the come in the future, what what it might look like, uh, some difficult times coming. Can you open up your heart to us on what what you're feeling? That is what God's been speaking to you about. Uh, maybe some Absolutely. of the future situations the church might be facing.
1: Gary, I feel I feel like this last shutdown of the church, the um through the pandemic, um, I believe I, I believe it was a dress rehearsal for the church. I I I think that God was was giving the church an opportunity to to know how to do church without a church. I think it was God getting us going back full circle, which I'll explain in a second um even to the book of acts because if you think about it um when jesus was getting the church ready at the in the first century in acts chapter 1 um he was he was releasing them into what was going to be considered at least from from up to right now the most persecuted time for the church that that to be a christian in the first century was going to be the hardest time in all of church history really almost for 3 centuries uh, one of the hardest times to ever be a Christian, because you could die, you could lose all of your possessions. It was, it was true persecution. So I believe that the pandemic, Gary, was a dress rehearsal, teaching the church. It was a, a mercy moment on how to do church without a church, without a church building, and, and I think God was was even was even strengthening our nets as a church with with the uh, pandemic to say I want you to use a net we could actually say the internet to be the very thing that we would cast on the, on that right side of the boat. Carter Conlon, who I succeeded here at Times Square Church, that's what he says. He says, it was interesting. He said, they kept throwing it over the left side and kept, didn't catch anything for so, for so long until some genius goes up, which was Jesus, throw it on the right side, and then you bring in a haul of fish. And, and we believe, Gary, that the next shutdown, I believe, I personally believe, I'll I'll give you a quick synopsis of what I see coming. I believe that the next shutdown of the church that he was trying to get us ready for is not going to be pandemic. It will be persecution. And I think it's going to come, Gary. I think it's going to start like this. I think it'll be in these phases. um, I believe that the first phase, and, and it's already happening, will will come with the church being shut out and shut down on any social media, major social media platform. Whether it's Facebook, whether it's uh, Instagram, whether it's YouTube, and it's already now. We I, we I think we both have mutual friends that are now uh, being removed from these platforms. And here's the language they're using, Gary. Um, it doesn't fit our community values. It doesn't fit our community values that I believe that if anybody preaches the Bible, preaches the word of God um, and, and calls things sin and calls them for what it should be, I think that's gonna be the first shutdown. It'll come from being removed from social media. I think after that, that'll be also labeled hate speech or incite, it's incitement. And I think the government will not give the church or any religious organization a benefit of, of their 501c3 and to be tax exempt if they're not subscribing uh, to community values or saluting the flag. It's already happening in different parts of the world from Canada to even Australia. I think it was Franklin Graham's organization that they had their 501c3 removed in Australia um, because of some of the things that Franklin Graham said, some biblical things. So I think it's gonna go from social media, then I think it's gonna go, Gary, to the removal of a 501c3. Then I think it's going to happen where it's going to become fines. I think it'll, the church will be fined for saying certain things or for not for 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 hiring practices or refusing to do certain weddings. Um, I think the church will be fined for it. And what I believe I I see Gary coming in the future could be three, five, seven years away. I I see chains, sheriffs putting chains on the doors of the church. I could see it from. For starting in an LA or in New York, being epicenters uh, of that very thing, but I, I see that being—I I see that taking place. But that's why I think God—God God is bringing it full circle back to saying, "You don't need a building to be the church. You don't need a, a building called uh, on 51st and Broadway to expand the church. That you—that just as they did in the early church when Pentecost hit." Gary, you I mean, you you are a student of church history. You don't have a church building until the fourth century of the church. Then everything until that point is from house to house, house to house, house to house. And so that's where I think we, we see happening. And so our goal, last thing I'll say on this, Gary, our goal during the pandemic was not to open up the doors uh, simple, simply or only 51st and Broadway, which I think is a mistake if any pastor was going, we gotta open up the doors of the church or we're not wearing masks or we're not getting a vaccine. I think they're fighting the wrong battle. I think that, I think what our, what our work, the work that we're supposed to do for the harvest is not an opening up the doors of the church, but is opening up every door around the world because you're dealing with a world that now has more cell phones than they do bathrooms, that you can send the gospel on a cell phone around the world where you couldn't touch someone in Uganda, Nigeria, Somalia, um, in, 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 in Saudi Arabia, and now we're watching from here on Broadway. If they shut the doors down, and even some Broadway shows have reopened and shut down here, and we're in a Broadway theater here on Times Square, it doesn't affect us. If we shut the doors tomorrow, we are still broadcasting on Tuesday nights, to almost 195 countries, on Sunday mornings, almost 100 nations, and seeing people come to Christ. Because we know that if you shut the doors of the church, you can't shut the doors to the kingdom.
0: Yeah, that's really powerful. uh, It's sobering, but also very hope-filled because we see around the world some amazing things that are happening where they've already been through that progression, and even worse, to the point of their lives being uh, taken from them or imprisonment in the nations and there's the gospel still prevailing in places like that. I was just with a, a missionary he heads up uh, an organization that's in probably 15, 20 nations in the middle East. And he was talking particularly about Iran where uh, it's the fastest growing church in the world is right now is not China anymore. It used to be for decades. Uh, now it's Iran and it's the wow. underground church churches, meeting in homes, churches, meeting in coffee shops, Starbucks. And uh, you know, so so we have, you know, we, we It sounds like what I hear you saying is we have, you know, various options. You go back to the first century church. They originally it says, you know, they met in the temple and from house to house. That's right. But if you if you follow on, eventually the the persecution uh, disallowed them from meeting in the temple any longer. So it's pretty much just from house to house. Even Paul had to leave, the temp the synagogue and go next door to to a little, uh, you know, to a house and met people every day. And so, you know, the, the gospel can shift the, the, the not the message, but the methodology can certainly shift. But I'm a little confused um, with what you're saying because on one hand, I hear you saying, like, maybe the internet, social media might be the right platform, the, uh, the other side of the boat, but then you're also saying it might be shutting down. So are, are, are you seeing, like, an opportunity that like as long as those things are open, you use them. But then if that shuts down, are you talking about maybe just going from like house to house or small groups or or, or where's your mind go with that?
1: I think that there will come a time that they'll pull you off of the major platforms. I think that's what's going to happen. But I don't think it'll stop the church. I mean, I know us here, we're working on, We we have some amazing people. There's some that are sitting in this room with me as we're filming this and we have some Um, in other parts of of Times Square Church that are working on platforms that if they were to pull us off of social media, we wanna be able to give a gift to churches all around the world to say, if they pull you off, here is a way you can get back in in an independent way that the message is still going out around the world. Think of it this way, so on the day of Pentecost, um, Peter preaches and 3,000 come to Christ. So right here in New York City, we have eight million people. That right behind me is represented eight million people. If I, if we preach on Sunday here, can you imagine what what you would call if eight hundred thousand people come to Christ on a Sunday? That would be ten percent of New York City. And from Josephus down, say the population of Jerusalem was three was thirty thousand. That on that Pentecost Sunday, a tenth of the city came to Christ. That that's those numbers are astronomical and then two chapters later five more thousand come and now you're bordering now you're bordering 25 20 to 25% of the city that literally is changing everything in a heavily persecuted uh polytheistic with Rome there and now it is spreading out without a church building without any without any central place to meet you have a city absolutely Coming, I mean, a major city, all coming to Christ, which is remarkable.
0: Yeah, I, I that makes total sense. I love that. It's uh, you know, going going back to the Middle East, you know, conversation I had with the missionary, he was saying, you know, there's underground, not only underground churches, underground meeting in homes, but there's like underground things going across the social the social media or right. even just a website or radio. Going back to old-fashioned radio, you know, there's there's ways to get the, the gospel out. And I would say even one more thing is. And I just read something last night it said uh, 20, 21 of the 22 miracles recorded in the Gospels in the book of Acts uh, were recorded. Only one of them was in a temple. All of them else were elsewhere on the street, in the marketplace, in somebody's home. And so the, the supernatural element of of the Gospel, of uh, which I think, if if normally if you look at uh, what God does in cultures, when there's persecution, there's also... Um, seems to be a a restoration of signs and wonders that like, okay, if you're going to treat my people like that, I'm going to show you the the full glory of my power. And there's people blind eyes opened up and people getting out of wheelchairs. I mean, that would, that would blow New York City away. Even if you couldn't meet in a building or they knocked you off social media and find you and locked to chain your doors, you walk down that, those streets right behind you and you start praying for sick people and they get healed. You know, that's, that's going to, they're gonna go tell their family uh, the good things that God has done. So the gospel can't be stopped, it, it, it can't be diminished and you, you can reach people through all kinds of ways.
1: Well, Gary, I've watched you. I mean, when we have traveled in different parts of the world, I, I, I can't remember being in a restaurant from, from Portugal to Rome, uh, to all different, to Spain. I cannot remember being in a restaurant with you and Kelly, your wife, without you speaking to a waiter um, and whether you were praying healing and or, or praying for them and and laying hands on them, which meant you just spoke to a thousand pastors, but that person in a restaurant was just as important. I think that's, that's exactly what's going to happen to this. You, 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 you live that out, Gary. And even I, I see that, I mean, think of it this way. Um, there's, there's two there are two times in the Old Testament that the children of Israel brought into captivity, and they're very different. There's the Egyptian captivity, which is some 400 years, four four centuries, and it was uh, it was servitude. It was very much like the heinous crime of slavery, even that that our country went through. Um, and then, obviously, Moses delivered. Then there was this, the Babylonian captivity, which was very different. The Babylonian captivity is that they were brought in. In a sense, as POWs, but we're given freedom. You even have a Daniel that becomes uh, that becomes a prime minister. Um, there, you have a Nehemiah who becomes a cupbearer. Think about that. You you choose a Jewish boy that you have just uh, upended his family, and and the man that you trust with your life is a Jewish boy because he's tasting it to see if it's poison. But think of this. Um, in that setting. They were they were allowed a measure of freedom in Babylon, but had to subscribe to to that uh, worldview, or or they want everybody to subscribe to that worldview in Babylon. You can work, you can do, you can even be promoted in certain areas. Even the three Hebrew children were promoted to some degree in in with their education, but had their names changed, put into to put into uh, positions. But in every one of those, in every Babylonian captivity, and that's why I think this society is much like that, is there comes that moment that they're going to ask you to cross over a line, whether it meant to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's image or or it's it's now going to be against the law to pray. Um, and then the lion's den, all of those things from the furnace to the lion's den was everything was fine until you refused to cross over the line.
0: Man, that's... That's uh, that's the church. you. You briefly talked about that when you were here with us live in the studio about the kind of the church in Babylon where it's, where there's certain things and you know I I went and looked at that a little bit too and I thought it was very interesting how there are certain things Daniel and the three Hebrew children were willing to go along with. You want to change my name? Change my name. You want to send me to a school to learn your language? You know, teach me your language. That's fine. All this stuff, uh, but then there were certain things they refused to do. It got to a certain point where okay, I can't bow down before your idols. Uh, you know, and and then there were certain things they, they compromise—not compromised, but they—and I don't want to say compromised nor manipulated, but the the meal thing.
1: It wasn't their fight. They they said that's we're not going to fight that. We're we're going to fight what the word, what what our law told us. We can't defile ourselves with your food. You can't tell us not to pray. Or think about this. You're, he was violating the first commandment that to have no graven other graven image before you, no other god before me. So they said. We can deal with your. We can deal with certain things, but when you cross the line, which we're facing today, then that's when we have to stand up.
0: I think that's some good guidance for what battles to pick today. You know, because on social media, there's so many different battles that people are presenting to you. Um, you know, the, the church. You know, fight the school boards, fight the, this or that, fight. You know, and there's just like almost too many battles to fight out there. But I, I think this gives us some good guidance, like to use the the Babylonian captivity as an example of how to. Operate particularly as these things moved, as you talked about the future, uh, the things the Lord's put on your heart for the future of the church, moving to uh, tighter and tighter restrictions. You know, at what point do we? At what point do we say, "Sorry, that's a line we don't cross"? And I think you're you're helping us uh, see that.
1: Do you, do you know, Gary? I, I and I, I may be getting into I may be getting into some some choppy water here, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Because I know, because I know, it's a real, it's a real issue in the church when they talk about a vaccine. It, it, do you fight the vax? Do you no vax? Antibody? No antibody? It, it's not a battle to me. It, it, it really isn't. It, it doesn't become just as much as a name change of the three Hebrew children. It does. not It does that kind of stuff doesn't bother me, um, because I feel like there is going to come such a clear battle over the Word of God that they're gonna, they're gonna say you can't say this name or you cannot pray you cannot call that sin or you can't. And here's what's amazing, Gary, I, I think, and this is what I think is going to be one of the evangelism tools that that's, that's what I want. And this is the fight that I want to be ready for. I don't want to fight with Christians internally. Um, it's kind of goes back to the old thing. When, when Marines are trained to fight and go through boot camp and train the fight, what's amazing is this, is that when you take the Marines and give them a weekend pass, and they go to the bars, who do they end up fighting with, with each other? If they're not on the battlefield, they'll beat up each other. And I think that's what happens to the church. When the church is not fighting the enemy, they end up fighting each other. And so when you look at a lion's den and you look at um, a fiery furnace, isn't it amazing, Gary, when the church goes through a furnace or a lion's den, when they come out, this is what you were talking about, The supernatural. When God protects them, fourth man in the furnace, when God protects them, shuts the mouths of the lions, notice what takes place is that the king at that time then begins to announce, Your God is really God. Your God is really God. That I think there's going to come a time of evangelism that it is going to come through the supernatural, that people will recognize God not simply through our sermons. But through the keeping power and the supernatural power of God, that's when they announce that that that's your God. That I think the church is going to have to go through those times. They're going to have to go through a furnace and a lion's den and see the supernatural protection of God to start winning. In that sense, winning high officials that God will take the church through this.
0: That's powerful. You know, just going back. You know, as as you were getting into those waters, you're talking about you know the vaccine. It's a certainly people that are listening now are going to have a very diverse opinion about that. Absolutely, and, and I totally understand what you're saying. I think the thing that I have to watch with that myself is that is is it giving some power to um, ungodly officials who start saying, "Hey, I kind of like this power, and and the church is doing whatever we want now, so let's tell them not to use it." You know, I don't think that in itself is a a troubling spot, but I think it could. It could be, you know, how things start very subtly. Uh, you know, it goes Absolutely. back to Nazi Germany. The first it was sort of just you live in this area and or now you put this star on your chest and before long it was too late. And so that's that's my only concern is not that thing itself, but where it it, it might could lead. But again, going back to the thing with Daniel, he knew where that thing was. Okay, it's, And he probably understood, OK, you know, this is, you know, I don't want my children to forget our language or. Uh, you know, but he was willing to, to 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 move into the things they had for us. But, I, but he certainly knew. And I think we as a church are going to know that as well. The same way they know in Iran or Iraq or Syria, they they know, okay, you know, there are certain things that, that I do in culture. And, if, you know, if, if a Christian woman has to wear a burqa, you know, she's going to wear it. But inside her heart, she's going to be following Jesus. And, and uh, you know, so we'll have to make some of those decisions. And we as pastors and leaders will have to help our, our flocks navigate that, whether it be through underground social media or website material or meeting in small groups, or as I said earlier, walking down the streets and uh, bringing, bringing a few disciples with us to uh, spread the gospel one, one by one. There's, you know, there's, there's those opportunities. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's really profound and that's, that's good pastoral stuff, Tim, you're doing with, with your congregation there and with us today helping us uh, sort of prepare and that's kind of interestingly, last question I have for you is that's, um, has that been something, uh, that's been with you for a long time in ministry or do you feel there's when, when you go to a certain place So you're going into, you're stepping into the pulpit at Times Square Church. And so, you know, my father, David Wilkerson was there and then pastor Carter Conlon. Um, is there like, is there anything different as far as like a mantle, um, is there something different? Like, is the Lord putting new things in your heart? Like, hey, I didn't really have that message before I came here. Does the position come with any new perks spiritually?
1: Gary, I, I, it's so funny you ask this question, and and the answer is the short answer, hundred percent. It's it's it, it was Pastor Carter Conlin said, God spoke to me that you're supposed to take over this, and he said, and and, and you need to be ready because. What Brother Dave, your father started 34 years ago, and what Pastor Carter Conlin has continued on, he said, "In times of crisis, the world looks to this pulpit." And 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 my, my knees got weak at that point. I'm going like, "Hey, I'm just, I just want to, I just want to preach the Bible." Um, but Gary, I'm telling you, it's true. I, I, I couldn't even describe it to you. I would never have these thoughts when I was in Detroit, Louisiana, Brooklyn, I would never have these thoughts. Some because I wasn't the senior leader, I was an associate, or and some I was the senior leader and not, and not the associate. But there is something, I, I, what I think it is, Gary, is God equips you for the position. I think God equips you, gives you things that are really outside of yourself. It, I, I, I would be the first to say I'm not prophetic. I don't, but I can tell you that God has opened up my eyes to things from from being here, um, that I know that that is the gift that your father had, David Wilkerson and Carter Conlin had. If you would ask me, I would say that has never been my gift. and but I think it that's such a crazy question. Like, and you didn't even tell me you were going to ask this, but it's but it's true. I, I, I never saw this until I came here.
0: You know, the scripture talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, but but you know Abraham was Abram at first, and you know, these guys had name changes, and they stepped into uh, a new season and, and a new platform, so to speak. And you're you're doing that as well. And I think for others listening too, they say, well, I'll you know I'll never be be a pastor of a church with a large platform. But every Christian has stages in their life where God's bringing them into something new. And I don't believe it's based on you know you said you're not prophetic. Uh, my dad used to say he wasn't prophetic either. Uh, you know i I, think, I don't think it has to do with our, our 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 human nature our our natural capacities or abilities you know paul addresses that a lot you know i didn't come to you with with human wisdom or cleverness and oftentimes you could describe that as paul saying well he wasn't he wasn't clever he didn't have u- human well he was he was extremely clever and he could have come with eloquence uh, but he's saying, OK, I have those natural abilities, but I don't want to take advantage of those because I want a supernatural ability to take place. And for you to be in the position you're in right now, you know, God is God puts upon you. When Timothy, uh, Paul and the elders laid hands on him, they laid hands on the, and It appears there, I think, in my understanding of that scripture, he did not have the gift of evangelism. And he probably wasn't the right person to choose if you want to lay hands on somebody and say, we're going to make you an evangelist because he was so timid. And so I'm seeing that now as God, you know, chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. And most people, one operate in gifts, I think with, okay, I'm kind of outgoing, so I'll be a prophet or an evangelist, or I'm kind of a gruff, rough, tough, kind of tumbling guy, so I'll be a Old Testament prophet. But I think God does, I'm seeing with me, God does the opposite. Like I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, uh, I I, I prefer being alone at home with books and yet God has me out. And like you were talking about, you know, restaurants and malls and and, uh, in the neighborhood and, you know, in in grocery stores, just walking up to strangers and just saying, hey, the Lord just put you on my heart. And once you like yesterday, we were praying for a a waitress in a restaurant. She was in tears, just that God had spoken to her heart because she's going through a divorce. And, you know, my wife had a a word of the Lord from her. And just, you know, but that's, it's not natural in a sense. So I just want to encourage people listening to us today that, that that God is going to raise you up to positions you never knew you'd be in and with an authority that you never knew you would have and with a word from heaven that you wouldn't have been able to develop on your own. And, uh, you know, I know that in your messaging, Tim, you have that. It's not just that you have a new pulpit, but you have a freshness and a fire in you. And I'm, I really appreciate that. You've always had it. And it's just uh, God's... Uh, he, he, he takes us to positions and gives us double portions, I believe, as well.
1: Thank you, Gary. And and it's I think it goes back to this. When you look through the Bible, the calling of men and women of God, from Abraham to Moses to Daniel to Jeremiah, every time God called someone, no one ever said, it's about time. I've been waiting for all these years. This thing should have happened a long time ago. Every person goes, me? Are you out of your mind? And in fact, I would say anybody who says about time I'm I'm your man is not ready. <laughs> and so when when God called me here, I was going like, seriously, I'm the wrong man for this. And but that's that's God taking the foolish things of this world to confound the wise.
0: I got an idea, Tim. Why don't you and I start a new you know how they give the the, the gifts assessment tests? Like that's where they right. do like a hundred questions and okay, you're an extrovert, uh, you're an intelligent, so you you should be this or that. And we should like get everybody's personality and then choose the very farthest thing from what you would think they should be. That's, right. that's the gift God's going to give. And
1: then go, that's your calling. That's where God wants you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hate, I hate people and I don't like to pray. Okay. You're going to be an intercessory pastor.
1: That's exactly right. I love it.
0: Well, thanks Tim. Appreciate uh, you taking the time for your busy schedule. I know you, you have a Tuesday night prayer meetings. Is that tonight? We, we're, sta- we're That's we're tonight. This.
1: We do that digitally and we do it from our Bible school tonight.
0: Good. Well, if uh, if you're listening to this um, every Tuesday night, you can tune in. That's live, right?
1: It's live, and you can send in your requests from all over the world. It goes across a border, and they start praying for those requests around the world.
0: All right, good, good. And we have uh, uh, we're, we're ordering some of your books here at World Challenge. We have a we have an online bookstore, the, the 260 uh, book that you wrote, and uh, so you can order that through our our bookstore, or it's on Amazon as well, or uh, I suppose you could order it even through Times Square Church there, right? Do you have it available right. for people that want to do that? So great devotional book that, uh, I think if you, uh, if you, anything that Tim said today sparked you, you're going to want to uh, grab this book because it's almost like hearing his heart day after day. Uh, one, one chapter of, uh, each of the chapters, the 260 chapters of the new Testament in a devotional format. So great book. And I'd love for people to get a hold of that. Thanks again, Tim God's blessing on you tonight and Sunday after Sunday and day after day. And, uh, Those streets behind you belong to you and the kingdom. Go for it. Amen. Love you, Gary. Love you too, Tim. God bless. Talk to you later. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of
1: individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting